Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Ooh, David, you look at sexy man over there. <laughs> sexy David. I, I I hear you, but you're wrong. No, no, you guys. Because the woman sitting next to me is looking particularly nice today. See, Thank you. That's a nice segue. She's got nice hair cut. They're just the sucking up because I was in a foul mood. Foul mood. She's got, no, you've got nice new glasses on. Are they new? Or are they, no, it's just raining new? outside, and I figured it would be all foggy. And I, I, I was in my. I just left my office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Andra. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> you need to go out to the website, though, and check out the video of this because you got Mr. Sexy over here. Hey, baby. Chris is just shaking his head. <laughs> this has already went downhill so fast. <laughs> we just started. Do over. <laughs> there is no do over. And then you have Miss Andrew Brewer from Benchmark with her studious little glasses over there looking all sophisticated. Yo, I like I've never seen me in glasses before. That's a different pair. I like them. Okay. Well thank well, maybe you. It's thank you all. The new hair and everything. Okay. And Chris? Man, I'm just along for the ride today. <laughs> I think we're all along for the ride today. <laughs> I'm here to talk about some real estate. Heck yeah. We got Mr. Scooter behind the glass today working uh, instead of Mr. JT. JT couldn't be with us today, but uh, Scooter, we're going to make it happen and we're going to have a great show. But I want to uh, have a little make. <laughs> you guys are still over there laughing at each other. I said hi to Scooter. I got to tell, tell a little story about myself because. Why don't you tell us about your weekend? That's what I'm about to do. Last weekend, man. I'm going to start having a David Lukey stop, oh. drop, and roll phone call session. Okay. Because for the people that know me, I'm a DIYer. I love doing it at home, you know, just taking care of all sorts of home projects and stuff like that. So. Uh-oh, what'd you I, break? Well, it's not what I broke. I took a project that I thought should have been maybe three to four hours. 16 hours later. What was it? Everything that could go wrong went wrong. He still couldn't get that light in the lamp. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> <Turn it. laughs> we have we've been remodeling this house and so forth, and there's a, a set of attic stairs, and we've bought a couple different types of insulating caps, domes, whatever to go over them, and they just never seem to work, and the. You know, we're talking about doing the renovation, everything on it, and I've been waiting to re-roof the main portion of the house because it doesn't have any ridge vents, and it has those little gables, or the little the triangle gables in the back, or is the gables on the side? Usually on the side, but it might be on the back. You know, two in the back, so that it, okay. there's not a whole lot of circulation. No, so it gets no. hot. Yeah, it gets very hot. So why I decided to do this on one of the hottest days, I don't know, but I decided I'm going to go up there. Is I'm, it hot today? It's always hot. <laughs> God dang. Hot, hot, hot. But in any event, it's always, it's always hot up there. And then during the summer, you could walk through our, our hallway in the house, which is where the mm. drop-down stairs are at, which really isn't a good place to put them other than that. But then the return air vent and the thermostat is right there. Oh, boy. So you could literally walk through that threshold in the hallway and just feel the temperature difference. And no matter what you did – no matter what we tried as far as prepackaged, you know, whatever. So I'm like, screw this. I'm going to build one, go get some of those form uh, insulation boards, build me a little square, put it all up there. Boom. Problem solved. Good. Didn't 16 work. hours later. 
Just, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a simple question. Yeah. I'm going to ask a simple question. Yeah. And hopefully this will help you or help a homeowner. Did you consider just getting an old comforter and folding it and putting it over the hole at the top of the stairs? This is why we're going to start having David Lukey's stop, drop, and roll. But how are you going to get that to stay? Like no, no, just no, no. pat you... it onto the steps when you flip it up? Yeah. Okay. Or, or, or just put it over the hole. You know, pull it back over the hole and then put your stairs up underneath it. Yeah. Just take an old comforter. And if you feel like you need to, staple it down at the end of the stairs. Why do you feel like you need to tell me this now after 16 hours? Because I, I didn't consult him before you, you didn't started go out to the project. website and ask for ask for help from the uh, exactly. per, from the uh, professionals. <laughs> now, it's not going to work as good as what you've done, but it'll work. It'll work really well. Yeah, it was just like, holy cow, man. And then if you if you have somebody in your household that can sew, take that old comforter, put the styrofoam on top of it, sew it in, and then just flip it over, mm-hmm. and then put the stairs up. There's can so many. Sew? Can I sew? Yeah. I can sew good enough to do that, but I can't sew really well. Yeah, I can't sew worth. How would flip. you sew the styrofoam to the to the just blanket? Take, just take the styrofoam, put it, it aside, fold it over like a taco. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Staple that to the you know taco the, the comforter. Yeah. And pull it over. I definitely correlate tacos and comforters all the time. So, first thing I think about, yes, to do that. So, well, that was actually a very insightful uh, answer there to be able to do that. I, I should make a video. You should. And I wish I would have known that before I tackled this project. But, I mean, just like so many other do-it-yourselfers. Did you, you go to YouTube something. or anything? Oh, yeah. I that's where For I solutions? To, yeah. That's where I, my little research starts. Yeah. Andrew, do you ever see stuff like that in houses you're showing where people have come up with <laughs> come up with <laughs> solutions? DIYers. <laughs> yes. Their own engineering solutions. Yes. Oh, I, I show a lot of flipped houses where I'm like, dude, whoever did this did not know what they were doing. I bet uh, you have seen some uh some failed solutions in oh, your yeah. day. I've seen there's like a cabinet right behind the kitchen sink and they bought like a really big um faucet mm. you go to open the sink and it just run into the faucet so that cabinet's just worthless <laughs> unless you swap you know and then they're like did you not try this before you put this up and installed this faucet anyway you see a bunch of little random stuff like that but i've had clients have bought some scary flips before in the day and i mean it's very very unfortunate where people don't know what they're doing or they mm-hmm. just they just do whatever and 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 it just becomes a total catastrophe for the homeowner then have to go hire somebody like a david or somebody to come out and spend all the money to fix it when it should have been done right the first time yeah that's a common thing do it right the first time which comes back to just one of the things that we always say on the show is ask for help ask for advice you know i'm guilty for not asking for your advice on this one but i mean you know if you're looking to buy a house you're looking to sell a house you get title questions building questions renovation questions call us yeah, that's what we're here for, kind of stuff. I flipped a house back in when the recession was bad because I was like, I got to figure out how to make some money. And I did one <laughs> myself, and that was the one and only one ever because I know I realized I don't know what I'm doing. Everything you do leads to another problem. Mm-hmm. I switched out the vanity. I can do the small listing stuff in the bathroom, but when I did that, the the flooring was short because the vanity was a different size, and <laughs> so I'm like, man, now I got to pull the floor out and fix that. And I bought one with a drawer. drawer was on the wrong side the door wouldn't open because it hit the casing on the door frame and i'm going you know this is why i just need to stick to what i do best yep yep yeah it's that was exactly the way i felt yesterday i was just or last weekend rather it was just non-stop you just you, you 
do one thing, it opens another can of worms, which it did another can of worms. It just started this whole devastating domino effect. So, but hey, we're going to jump out to a break here. We're going to get into some serious real estate talk here. Uh, we're going to recap last week's show, and then we're going to get into talking about some things about if you're serious, uh, if you're serious about buying a home, and then the things that you need to be uh, monitoring, be conscious of, you know, what do you got to do to get approved, the whole nine yards. So, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show and do it yourself segment. <laughs> what not to do one on ones, other than call David Lukey at Capital Homes. Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show where we talk all things real estate. In our first segment, we had a little fun poking around at DYIers, do it yourself kind of stuff. And I am one of those, so. If you want to check out any of that that you missed, you can go out to the Money Man Mike website at moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio and check out the videos, the show links, the whole nine yards, along with all the good material that we post out there on a daily basis. And one of the things that we – a couple of things we discussed last week's show was uh, the housing inventory, the pent-up demands, people that did not believe that they had an equity position, and now all of a sudden – they have this equity position. They feel like they can sell again, and we're starting to see those properties come back to the market. So that helps out quite a bit with the inventory shortage that we have. And then um, why builders will not let a buyer move in prior to closing, why that seems to be such a sticking point when yet it seems like, eh, it's no big deal, but yet there's a big legal liability issue in play that a lot of people don't realize so if you missed any of that last week, definitely go out to the website again, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at face, uh, moneymanmike. Yeah, can't talk this morning. Facebook at moneymanmike radio. Now, we started to get into last week why you need to be pre-approved. And then what do you need to do to be serious about going out and looking for a home in today's market? And I want to pick back up there and I really just kind of want to restart the conversation because we really only had a couple couple minutes in our last segment last week. But, you know, this market in today is just you blink, you miss it. And we we were talking um, with a client the other day that uh, a bank referred to us and we we framed it and said, hey, here's your here's your purchase price. Here's your maximum taxes. Here's your maximum HOA if it can come if you have an HOA. So as long as you stay within those parameters, and Andrew, you know how we do this, you're good. You can make an offer. Well, they want to call, run the numbers real quick, and literally in six hours went back to make an offer, house is gone. Of course. And they didn't understand why. I was like, well, we called you. Well, yeah, I called you back. And by the time you get back to your agent, it's gone. I mean, when you see a house in today's market, you got to go. Yeah, if you don't. I think most buyers now kind of have to get burned. Or they're either yeah. versed and know straight out of the gate, like mm-hmm. we understand things are really moving quickly, or they're going to get burned on at least one before they realize, like, there is no time to delay. No. So. That and the other 15 contracts on the house already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have this one couple. I've written seven offers, I think, for them. And, I mean, as soon as we look at it, we write an offer. Right. And they just have not gotten a break on anything. I just... 
Oh, well, you're doing their loan. We switched from FHA to conventional, so yeah. you know, to make us stand out there. And I think half of them are cash buyers. I don't know where all these cash people come from, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, so many people just. I think you hit it right on the nail, the nail on the head is being well versed. Yeah, I mean, you have to unfortunately get burned a couple times to realize, oh wait, I can't. I mean, it is the biggest decision that you're going to make in your life, but you really can't wait. Yeah, I mean, and we say it all the time to you know, knowledge is power. But call a lender, know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually, you know, I had a guy last year that showed houses. Call somebody that knows what they're doing as a lender, such as Mike. I had a guy last year I showed houses to. We wrote probably three offers. Finally got a house, did the home inspection, and his lender had never asked to see a tax return. And he didn't have his taxes done for like three years. Ouch. So the guy literally was not pre-approved at all, even though this guy told him he was. Right. And I was just like, oh, my God, really, dude? So that, I mean, and it's heartbreaking if you're not pre-approved and you go out trying to look. Because, I mean, there's some agents that will still show you houses. Right. I don't. I mean, because it's a waste of time and it's just setting you up for heartbreak. If you're mm-hmm. a buyer, you're not ready. You go out and start looking. Oh, my God, I love this house. Let's buy it. Guess what? You're not approved for that much or you're not approved at all. And, you know, you loved that house and you don't even get to try to get it. Yeah. Because you didn't do your homework and get pre-approved properly. Exactly. I can tell you, we're seeing a ton of cash buyers right now, and people are even resorting to asking family members for money just so they can buy it. Oh, yeah. And then they're turning around and refinancing it and getting mm-hmm. their money out and repaying whoever they've borrowed the money from because they know that's the only way they can possibly buy the house is to offer cash and close quick on it yeah. um, to do it. And so the people's parents or family members or, or somebody's just giving them the funds to do it. So I'm seeing a ton of that right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's going on with my little buyers. They're getting beat out because they're like 140 and under, which is already a really tough price point in Nashville. And I think every deal's cash. I mean. Oh, 140, yeah. I mean, because that's not some large amount, a lot of, no. you know, to some people. Our, our next section of Delvin Downs, we don't even have the pricing figured out. We don't have the roads down and everything. And I, every day I get another realtor, come on, David, let me people buy. Let me people, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question right now. Yeah. I promise you as soon as I can, you know, and, and they're, it's a great location. It's right behind Lennox Village. So we're excited about it. But. You know, I, I want to do it right. I want to mm-hmm. give people the right stuff and right information. I don't want to have any mistakes because it's frustrating for people. But they're 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 really jammed up in knots. I had a realtor call me and he said, "When do you think you're going to have it ready?" I said, "Well, we'll have homes in November, December." And he he was like, "Oh, that's a long time." I'm like, "It's <laughs> July, you know." I mean, what are you talking about? It's yeah. a long time. And then he called me up this morning. And goes, "You know, I talked to five other builders and they're all talking February, March." I'm like, "Yeah." I know. Yeah, so now my November don't look so bad, does yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. You know, I'm just trying to be honest with people. I could tell, oh, yeah, October. He was talking about having a house built in 60 days. I was like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. Not today. Not unless it's coming in on a truck somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would do it. Yeah. I had a uh, builder do some infill work who the other day was in our office. And he's basically resorted to going to other people's job site and offering the contractors cash. To come leave the site and go work on their prop, work on his houses because he can't get them yeah. done. Wow! Hey, I'll give you, I'll give you a thousand dollars cash to leave the site and come over and start my house right now. Just because people are so desperate 
for um you know for sub work at this point yeah. in time uh, whether it's brick layers or concrete layers or or framers or whatever and so that's what he's done hey i got cash money leave the site and come over here and start mine yeah and another thing if you're listening and you're like have some you're building a house and you call so and so and they're like not busy and have nothing going on they're probably not real good at their job <laughs> just an fyi because everybody's really busy that's like a house that sits on the market for over a month without any kind of activity at all it's yeah. it's overpriced Oh, absolutely. There's something wrong with it. If it sits on the market for more than a week. More than more than a week at this point yeah. in time. It's I told you that story a couple of days ago where the agent was like, Hey, we may be able to make a good deal on this house that's been on the market for a while and they're like, How long? Uh two days. <laughs> so, <laughs> two whole days? Two days. So they What's thought they wrong could, with I it? know, they could make a deal on it because so, it had set for two days. But you know, that's the nature of our business right now. We're all feeling that that struggle right now, mm-hmm. trying to get stuff done and trying to get stuff yeah. through and and I don't, you know, I don't know where it, where that line is, where it's, you know, where it stops or slows down or what, but it's insane. I was going to ask David, do you, Chris, you jumping on this as well, but do you see the whole sub issue, the, any of this slowing down in December or the or the fourth quarter, like we've seen traditionally in the fourth going into the first quarter? You know, I maybe I'm a little insulated because I've had such long relationships with my subs. We we lost a handful of people last year, and um, we've had really direct conversations with some of our subs. We've gone to some of our subs and said, "Okay, we haven't raised your rate in five years. You know, I don't want to have the conversation afterwards. Right? Let's have the conversation now." And I think that so our subs appreciate that we understand that it's a partnership in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that they don't have to come to me and say, David, I need to raise. I come to them and say, okay, it's time for us to talk about this. So I feel maybe a little isolated from that. But I do know that there are many builders out there that have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And we've adjusted, too. We, We used to be we would put the footers in and then we would block two days later and then we would start framing three days after that. Right. And what we do now, because we have so many sales, we have so many opportunities to do this, we'll put in eight foundations and then have the block delivered and let the mason come when he can to do three or four at a time. Right, knock them all out. And and it it works well for them, it works well for us, and then everything after that gets very even flow. Yeah. But that that helps a lot. That makes sense. We're going to pick this up uh, on the backside of the break here real quick, but I want to talk about that a little bit more and then also hit on something that – Andrew kind of teased the FHA switching from FHA switching from FHA to conventional mortgages, and what that really means for you as a buyer, but also how it positions your offer. Been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio fifteen ten WLAC. We'll be right back. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. Before the break, we were talking about, you know, just different things with the market and making offers and uh, talking. <laughs> uh, we had a conversation during the break that will not be on the behind the scenes footage out on MoneyManMike.net. <clears throat> it was a great conversation, though. But um, you have to come in here and watch the show, I guess, live to be part of that. But in any event, the, you know, the the difference between FHA and conventional, and Andrew made the comment about uh, her buyers that switch from FHA to conventional. And Andrew, first and foremost, from your point of view, why would a buyer 
what what do you see or what's the pushback you see from sellers when you present an FHA pre-approval letter versus a conventional pre-approval letter? Well, if there's like seven offers and yours is FHA and the other ones are not, then, you know, when you have an FHA appraisal on a house, they're typically stricter, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a lower price point and the house needs any kind of work. There's most likely things that will be flagged by an FHA appraiser. It's a conventional loan. You don't have to deal with that. So if you're in a multiple offer situation and say there's seven offers and yours is FHA and the other six are not, then they're most you're pretty much probably completely out of the running. Yeah, and, and to break that down a little bit further, think of it like a bullseye. You know, if you shoot arrows, bow and arrows, or you throw darts, or you had a Dave and Buster, Chunky Cheese, whatever it is with the ski ball games and all that good stuff, the whole object is to hit the center, the bullseye. And with a conventional borrower, if you're pretty much a 720, 700 in most cases, but a 720 or higher, you're typically going to hit that bullseye and you're going to be fine. But with conventional pricing, anything less than a 720 in 20 in 20-point increments, so 720 to seven, I mean 740 to 720, 720 to 700, 680 and so forth, there's price level adjustments. And the lower your score goes, the higher the adjustments are, which push your interest rates up as well as pushes up mortgage insurance rates if you have to have mortgage insurance because you don't have 20% down. So as your score goes down, even though you can hit that conventional bucket, the overall payment is le- is higher than what you would get with a conventional loan. I mean, with an FHA loan. Tongue tied this morning. Whereas FHA is the rest of that bullseye. So if you can't hit all the <clears throat> excuse me the debt to income ratio, the income qualification, you, you you're just not right there. But yet you still have a good solid loan. You sh- can show your ability to repay. You still get a great rate. But when you get to the appraisal side, you basically see the exact opposite. They they invert because the FHA appraisal is very strict. They're hitting that bullseye. They're nitpicking the property. So for a first-time home buyer, you are getting a very, very, very thorough appraisal, I guess is the best way to describe it, to where they're going to flag things that a conventional appraiser would not flag. Right. Well, so, what percentage of loans do you still think go FHA? Because I still see a ton of them coming through on the table. And so for people to say they're afraid of them, they got this stigma that, that mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to mess with these buyers. They either got bad credit or no money or mm-hmm. the appraisers. But, I mean, what what do you think? I mean, that's a guess. I realize that. But, I mean, what do you, how many, Andrew, how many of your buyers go FHA? Do you still have a lot or not? Oh, or? yeah. I mean, maybe half. I mean, yeah. it depends. Right now, it's more of a a competitive edge to be FHA, to be conventional versus FHA. But I have no issue if I'm the listing agent with an FHA loan by any means. It's just if you're looking at apples to apples and you have six offers or whatever, and it's more of a risk to do the FHA. So Perceived. It's perceived, perceived. as more. Now, but if you go on a house that's really nice and doesn't really need anything done to it, I wouldn't even care. No. Because it's, you know, you're not going to get a bunch of stuff flagged in an FHA. And I've had houses where they didn't flag anything and I thought they would pick it apart. So it depends on the appraiser. And even if you had a buyer and you're looking at a house with nothing has any repairs and you're looking at seven offers and one of them's an FHA, Mm -hmm. I mean, that one's, you're already discounting it, right? Well, if it's significantly higher and you think that it's not going to have FHA issues when it's appraised, then I would, I mean, I, I wouldn't totally take it out of the running. I think a lot of times you get this perceived misconception and not to 
not to say shame on realtors, but you get burned once, you're a little gun shy. Mm-hmm. And there have everyone's had a trouble from time to two with um, FHA appraisals. Oh, at yeah. the same time, we did a deal that was conventional that needed all the rehab work. Uh, it was a Fannie Mae uh, foreclosure that you couldn't get a conventional appraisal done on it either. But yet we still got the conventional appraisal done. We did a repair um, escrow on it and got everything fixed. Now, the FHA, do they go out with new houses, David? What happens on that a lot of times? I mean, are they are they doing the same thing to you as a builder out there saying this and this? Or since it's new, they kind of are like, yeah, everything's probably new. Well, you know, I can't speak for every build, but for us, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. just doesn't matter. Because if if an FHA inspector or appraiser sees something, he's probably right, and we want to fix it anyway. Doesn't happen often. Most of the time, we we have our FHA appraisals come out, and they do it, and then they come back and do a reinspection when the house is one hundred percent complete, and yeah, we don't we don't even hear about it. Um, and I've had just as many, just as few, I should say, issues with conventional appraisals, right? Issues as I have with an FHA. It, it just doesn't happen. I, mean, I think I think in the last twelve months, I've had one appraisal issue, and Michael solved it for me. People were getting a loan from somebody else, and mm-hmm. the appraisal came in, what, about 5% light, right? Was Something it more like than that? that? Yeah. 5% light, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And we had the comps, and I, I just – we couldn't talk rational sense with the appraiser. And so the guy changed loans. We talked about pre-occupancy agreements last week, Chris, and that was a situation where I gave the guy a pre-occupancy so that he could change his loan. And – Got it done. Boom. Got it done. Not even a question. It was easy. Yeah. The biggest point of bringing this up is just that perceived idea that this FHA is taboo. It's just bad. It's just you shy away from it. The only thing that I ever hear with any kind of consistency why people don't want to do it is the MIP never goes away. That is the biggest thing that we do see today is we have clients now that – actually, I was just talking to one – yesterday afternoon where their payment would be $250 cheaper to go FHA because wow. of their credit score. But they are so – they have the blinders on about I don't want to have to refinance, but yet I don't want to have the MI on an FHA loan for the life of the loan. But, and they're just like, don't care. I want a conventional loan. Yes, I'm going to pay 250 bucks more. I'm going to get them to sign a letter saying you were explained your opportunities here and the loan scenarios and this whole nine yards because we're seeing that. See, the statistics tell you that people are going to have their loan about 42 to 48 months is about the term people are going to have loan. And, Michael, you'll know more about this than I would. But so for people to be – to think that they're going to have to worry about that for 30 years, the statistics just right. don't back that up. They're not going to have the loan that long to do it. In some cases, it's even shorter or not. They either sell, refinance, uh, cash out. I mean, people are transient by nature anymore. Now, Chris, mm-hmm. yes. everybody who buys a home from me tells me on the very front end this is the last, last home they're buying. <laughs> yes. Every single one of them. Two months later. It, and I, it must be true. <laughs> I try to get all those people to sign a letter says they'll give me a dollar if they sell, and then I'll be rich because everybody moves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, but, but I mean, really, statistics tell you that it's 42 to 48 months they're going to be in that loan, not even necessarily in the house, but in that particular loan. Mm-hmm. So to, to itemize that over that time frame, 
I just that's that's that just, that's crazy. Yeah, but you know the, the other piece of that is is we talk about um, the appreciation here, mm-hmm. and I tell people, hey, let's see what the appraisal is. What's the value? What's the appraised value? How much equity do you have? Because if you come in with five, ten percent equity right out of the gate, why do why are we that concerned about the MI? Because you're going to pay it for a couple months, maybe a year, you know, year, year and a half in reality. The appreciation rate keeps going. You're making your payments. You can petition to have the MI dropped anyway, and then you're golden. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when we're looking at these MI situations, mortgage insurance is what we're referring to again as MI. We're looking at it as a whole picture. We won't really make that decision until we have that appraisal. Now, now I want to. I'm going to ask a simple question, Mike, because I'm thinking about FHA. People worrying about, oh my goodness, I never get rid of the EMIP or right. the mortgage insurance premium, and so I got to go conventional. So that when it goes up, now, I haven't done it in a dozen years or more. Right. But if you've if you've ever tried to get a new appraisal to get your Private mortgage insurance. Oh, they don't. They're not catering to you to help you out to make that happen. I mean, I don't care if you've been in the house fifteen years and you've got the loan half paid off. They're still going to argue about whether or not you can get rid of your MI. They are. Yep. I I don't know. I just. It seems like a weird argument to say I don't want to go with FHA because you can't get rid of the MI, the mortgage insurance premium. So I'm going to go conventional because eventually I'll be able to get rid of my private mortgage insurance. Right. Because you're A, like Chris says, you're probably not going to keep that loan, let alone the house. You're not going to keep that loan long enough for that to ever be an option for you to petition to get it. Then you've got to pay for the appraisal and you've got to argue with them because if it comes in even a couple percentage close, they're still not going to get rid of the MI. Now, I had a girl buy a house in East Nashville down the street from me. Bought it from me, and I don't think she's been there two years even, and she's already had it removed. I mean, you know, the value went up yeah. quite a bit. Okay, well, maybe it's easier now. And she called, I mean, but she's like an accountant numbers gal. She's thorough. Yeah, we've got to jump out to a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about that some more along with the whole fact of um, just a fixed rate mortgage versus fixed rate arm for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, why are you locking in 30 years when you're not going to be there for 30 years? Right. Let's get real about it. So we'll talk about that when we get back. I may Let's, disagree with you on that. Do what? I may disagree with you on that. I don't care. We like it when you disagree. I'm going to listen to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. Before the break, we were talking about the differences with everything and FHA, conventional, and all that. Then we got into MI, and uh, before I forget it, our July 16th show, we're going to do um, some thorough conversations and um, scenarios with. Mortgage insurance, just the the whole conventional versus the FHA. What's that actually look like? A dollar amount for just a you know one hundred fifty thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars purchase price. What single am I? Single mortgage insurance. Why would you want to do that? And then just looking at this as a whole, and it's just like there's just so many different things that you need to look at and understand when you're making a decision because so many people will go out there and they'll rate shop. I want the lowest rate. What's the lowest rate? Give me the lowest rate. Well, depending on what the credit score is, they may fall right into that bucket that we were talking about in the last segment where their payment's 250 bucks higher. 
Yeah, what it's not always the rate that no, matters. No. So. And I think, like, we just for those listening that don't understand what mortgage insurance is anyway, if you don't have a certain percentage of money to put down, you're a higher risk to get a loan. So they charge you a little insurance premium every month since you didn't have enough money to put down. Yep. That's what mortgage insurance is. Sometimes it's not little. <laughs> no, it's well, not. yeah, but I mean, you know, if you're going to borrow $150,000 and you don't have but 3% to put down, then you pay a premium right. to get that loan. I always tell people it's the mortgage company's get out of jail free card if you default right. on your note. <laughs> it is. They're going to go cash in their insurance policy and guess who your deficiency yeah. is with. Yep. It's exactly. either with the FHA or with this mortgage insurance company. Yep. And they're not as friendly as the Michael Thayer's in the world. I specifically tell people, I mean, that's what it is. You are wasting your money because you're paying for an insurance policy for us if you default on that loan. We get the first 80% back. That's all that is. You're paying for an insurance policy if you screw up for us. Yeah. But on the flip side, you don't have to have as much money down to buy a house. That's why it's misconception that you need 20% down. You do not. And it's understanding the total cost of the loan, which we'll talk about that on the July 16th show with the amortization schedules. Because that's something that anybody can go out and just plug into the web- websites and just get. And we're going to get into that. Otherwise, if I talk about it much more right now, I'm going to – We're going to waste the room in the show back yes, in July. Yes. I have a passion for all that man stuff. But um, <laughs> leave me alone over there, Chris. That wasn't me. Oh, who said that? That was Miss uh, Brewer. You're I right didn't say it. a word. Miss <laughs> um, Brewer. What, uh, she looks like a teacher today. That's why I called her Miss like Brewer. I want to raise my hand and I'm ask a question. Pop you with a ruler. I know. Me <laughs> <laughs> too over there. <laughs> but um, with the, the whole conventional versus the mortgage and I mean the FHA rates. I mean, people come in, they do that rate shopping thing, and it's just it just you set yourself up for all sorts of failure with without understanding the whole picture of what's going on. But um, what else do you guys think people? freak out about over, you know, him hauling with a conventional versus an FHA loan. Now, now, now hold on now. Oh. You said you said we were going to talk about fixed rates versus ours. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you brought me around it because I said I have a passion for the amortization schedules. And yes, you were going to talk about thank that. Thank you for getting me back on track. What um, conventional or FHA, mm-hmm. fixed, rate, fixed rate mortgages for 10, 15, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. versus – an arm and an arm is an adjustable rate mortgage that has predetermined adjustment periods the amount is capped but you know the index it's tied to but the biggest thing about it is is you can predict worst case scenarios with an arm and assume all the worst case scenarios and know exactly what you're going to pay in that mortgage so along those lines yes cuz i'm not going to sit here and say arms are always bad i'm not going to say that Bill, okay. the boy's about to come in here and, and go to town. Okay. See this no, I guess well, no, when too. I first started, 25 years ago, when I first started selling, fixed rates were 10%. Yeah. And the company that I worked for had an adjustable rate that was a six-month adjustable, adjusted every six months, mm-hmm. with one six caps. The yep. start rate was 3.5%. Now, I'm not that smart, but I know 35 <laughs> plus 6 is 95 It's cheaper. So why anybody at that time would, would have done a fixed rate, rate instead of an adjustable that we offered exclusively as our mm-hmm. builder mm-hmm. blew my mind. But every now and then people would, oh, I don't do arms. I'm like, this is going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars. I don't do. Okay. So 
my thing when I wanted because I wanted to talk about this is today, yep. right now, what is the difference between a seven one arm and a thirty year fixed rate? And to me, the question you got to ask that question because if the spread's not that big, why take the extra risk? That is the only time you do not take the risk because I mean you just hit the nail on the head and it comes back again to an amortization schedule. You plug in the numbers. Here's this loan. Compare it to this loan. And what's your bottom dollar at the end of the term? Well, what we're seeing, I, I see very few arms still, very few of them. But the ones I do see are corporate relocators who know they're not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some college folks. I closed a doctor uh, the other day who's going to do it, doing residency here at one of the hospitals. Um, four-year contract is what he had. So he did a 5-1 arm because um, he knew he wasn't going to be yeah. here beyond that time frame to do that. But as David was saying, you know, the rates – I don't know. They're, they're they're so close already, you know, between from what I'm seeing. And Michael, you would know more about the rates than me, but I don't know that. I mean, they were so different. I mean, there wasn't that much of a difference between the fixed rate long term and then the arm rate. So do you see a substantial savings, I guess, is what we're both kind of asking? Right now, rates are just so suppressed. I mean, if you're talking 4%, just throw a number out there for one particular loan and, okay, you're going to get an arm at 3875 or 375. It doesn't make sense. There was a time in 2008, I'll never forget, when the 15-year mortgage rates were higher than the 30 years. And yep. I, it's like, why Why would you do it? Just pay a little bit more on a 30-year, mm-hmm. pay it off faster, and have a lower interest rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would you do it any other way? And yet some people get locked in. And that, yeah. that's the only – you know, there's a, a very famous man on the radio that's always 15 years. And <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, that's great, you know. But I think you've got to also apply some moment-in-time thought process to it. And just what is the moment-in-time telling you? And and just, you know, try to be logical about it. And, and generally that's good advice. But specifically you've got to look at the time. What's the time right now? What's it saying right now? And and so arms, I don't think right now are a great deal unless you really know for sure you're not going to be here. But I would, I mean, I, w- I would just just do the thirty year fix and move on. We could always amortize it and make the higher payment if that's what you chose to do. Not everybody's disciplined enough, or they say they're going to do it exactly. and don't ever do it, or for one reason right. or another, you know, uh, just that's the way it goes down. But yeah, we don't see very many arms at the table at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be lucky to see literally one a month. Yeah, I mean that's how infrequent we see adjustable rate mortgages right now um, to do that. So I mean the, the spread's just not there, and, and what you said about time—that's a critical thing because we 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 joke about it amongst us in the real estate profession that you always have somebody, a client that's never been a builder, never been a realtor, never been in the title, never been a mortgage lender, but yet they always have a friend that knows everything there is to know about the business, but yet has never built the first house, Mm-mm. sold the first house, mm-hmm. closed the first house, or closed the first loan. And we get our advices vice, from our family members, our parents, and what the way they did things, heck, the way that we did things 10 years ago, greatly, is great, a great, differs greatly from... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you and I, Michael, a year ago, yes, exactly. less than a year ago at this point, the way you and I have conducted our business for the last 20 years is different. I used to yeah. know the lending rules inside and out. I, I don't know any lending rules anymore. I, I, well, how I, could you? They've all changed so much. I, I just yeah. call Michael. 
Yeah, I'm like, that's Linda's job. <laughs> that's Linda's job. You need to call your Linda. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there struggling trying to come up with a, a date range because, I mean, you're right. Just less than a year ago, everything changed dramatically. And then not, you, you, I still miss HUD statements. You miss them? I do. Just because I knew what I was reading better. I don't know. It's like my eyes were drained better for them. Or something. I think the hardest thing we have with that is just the lenders doing them. It's such a hassle for us because a process each would take us 45 minutes to get done is now like a four-day process. Right. You know, going back and forth. And it is a time killer for our business. And it has we have funneled – I mean, we're down to a funneling it down where we're just crammed up and we can't get anything done. It takes us forever to get anything done. It's not a knock on the lender. I mean, yeah. they have a lot of different – Well, it's required. Actual requirement, yeah. Yeah. Well, and now when you go to closing, though, you're like, do you understand what you're signing? Okay, sign that. Now, that does help on the closings. <laughs> yeah. I walk in and went, you saw this three days ago, right? Yes. Okay. Let's go on. <laughs> um, but getting to that point is so challenging right now. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how frustrating and challenging that yeah. is. That's really interesting, Andrew. That you find them hard. I I find them easier to read. I mean, I, obviously, I was used to reading the old ones, I, but I do I, I do find them. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I zoom through them now or something. I see both sides. There's things that I hate yeah. and love about both of them. Well, they're not necessarily all uniform where the things aren't where they all used to be because some companies, some lenders will put them in different spots now right. as opposed to before. It was just always right here on that line. You could look right on the HUD statement and know right where your stuff exactly. was at. Right. But nowadays it ends up in different sections or on different lines and you're having to flip through all six pages trying to yeah, just figure yeah. out where it's at um, to do that. So I could see that being a being that, must, that sounds like a buyer's thing because the sellers, sellers, it's like, yep, there it is. We're Where's out of time. Money? We're out of time for the day, but go out to moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmike radio. You guys have a great day. We're out.